Facts of Faith with Nael Pondwana, 7 to 8 p.m. Good evening and welcome. You're listening to Facts of Faith with me, Nayel Pondwana. It is the 17th of February 2019 and tonight we're asking a very simple question. We've been skirting around the matter for quite some time now. The last time we talked about something closely related to this, we were talking about the issue of uh, spanking your child. And some parents were saying, well, I'd rather go to jail than ignore what the scriptures say. And that gave rise to a subject we're talking about tonight. Religion and the law of the land. Which, in your opinion, is supreme? If you were given the opportunity to choose today, which you will abide by, would you abide by the law of the land, which is the Constitution, and the legislation that comes out of our legislature, which is made out of people, 400 men and women at the Parliament and the National Council of Provinces, or would you prefer to read your Bible if you're a Christian, your Torah, if you're a Jew, your Quran, if you're a Muslim, and the list goes on. That's a simple question, right? In religion, we have laws which are supposed to be coming from God or some deity of sorts. And then people who are of faith reside in countries such as the Republic of South Africa which has its own laws, which has a constitution and laws, which are supreme, the laws of religion or the laws of the land. You as an individual South African who so happens to believe in a particular faith or the other, which one is supreme for you? The law of the land or the law of your faith? It's a plain and simple question, right? Which one is supreme? For you, I'd love to hear what you have to say. I am Nayelu Pondwana. This is Facts of Faith. The views and ideas expressed in this program are views expressly of the people sharing them and not of the anchor or that of this broadcaster. All persons, juristic or natural, are to be held responsible for their own representations offered on this program by their agents and not this corporation. Any and all consumption of our conversational substance is entirely at your own discretion. Please be advised that this program airs subject matter that has the potential to destabilize and challenge your intellectual equilibrium. If you are excitable, profound caution when consuming our subject matter is advised. Participation in this program is a voluntary enterprise and as such is expected to be considered and deliberated on. Kindly note that, just as the anchor is, all participants, guests and callers are encouraged to engage in this our freedom of expression and any of our civil liberties responsibly. All right, let me introduce you to our guests in no particular order. We do have uh, His Highness Chief Moelononganyane, who is a Congress of Traditional Leaders of South Africa, President of Provincial Chair. He'll be joining us in a short while. And also Apostle Pearl Coupe. Apostle Pearl Coupe is an attorney, an activist, and international consultant, an author, and the president of the Global Forum for Entrepreneurs. She'll be joining us in the wireless also. And also we do have Yusuf Ismail. He's an attorney and a consultant for the Islamic Pro- Propagation Center International, IPCI, and host of the TV program, I Beg to Differ. Nice title, Yusuf. Nice title. Good evening to you, sir, and thank you very much for joining us. Well, good evening, Naya. It's good to be on your program. My goodness. Let me know when that is on. I'd love to watch it. I beg to differ. Uh, it's it, on at 8 to, 8 to 9 every Sunday night. 
All right. ITV DSTV three four seven every every Sunday night. Every Sunday night. Thank you very much. I'm looking forward to watching that. All right. And also, as we have just been told right now, the Apostle Pearl Cooper, an attorney, activist, international consultant, author, and founder of the Pearl Cooper Ministries. Beg your pardon. She is on the line now. Good good evening to you, Apostle. Good evening. Just a correction, please. Uh, I don't have Pearl Coupe Ministries. I have Global Forum for Women Entrepreneurs. I don't have a ministry called Pearl Coupe. All right. Um, author, I president, call a ministry Global Forum for Entrepreneurs. That's right. Thank you very much. Uh, thank you very much for agreeing to talk to us, Apostle. Thank you. It's my pleasure to. It's been a while since I've. Uh, been on your program. It's always a pleasure to be on your program tonight. Thank In, you. Indeed. Um, we're looking forward to speak to His Highness Chief Mwelonongo Nyan, who is the Congress of Traditional Leaders Chairperson, Provincial Chairperson of Contralesa. He'll be joining us in a short while to give us the African perspective. But let's get down to it. Let's just dive into it. Uh, from the perspective, let's begin with you, Yusuf. Uh, which one is supreme? The law of the land or the law of your God? Okay, let me just start off with a disclaimer. Firstly, um, religion by its nature has generally, and I'm talking about all religion, has played a role in influencing state, developing the evolution of the law. And there are certainly many shared values with the established legal systems of the world, and certainly, um, I'm sorry, with established religion and certainly the law of the land. If you look, for example, primarily at civil law throughout the world in the South African context, um, and of course you, for example, have something like the Uniform Commercial Code, which surprisingly has basically derived from Vatican canon law, um, so religion, and there's been a lot of cross-pollination between religion and the law. So to ask the question, a religion versus the law of the land, which is supreme, on one level it's, it, it basically presupposes that religion and the law of the land are by their very nature two mutually exclusive systems in competition with one another, when in actual fact, they can complement each other extremely well, and they have done um, over, over many years and many decades, and certainly many uh, judicial systems that have worked very well because of the fact that there's cross-pollination. A lot of the values that we see in a lot of the laws that we have are basically derived from not just simply Roman Dutch law, um, but obviously from canon law, from religious values. And right, let me give you an example. Let me give you an example, Yusuf, so that we, we, we demystify the content of our question so that we don't fill it in with any okay. other thing but what we mean for example okay. the south african constitution prohibits anyone for from uh, uh, looking at these things that are protected the civil liberties like homosexuality which mm-hmm. many faiths frown upon the conduct that is um, and, and the south african constitution protects those behavioral patterns as legitimate and any and every human being has an, is entitled to live in that fashion. But some faiths, such as your faith, uh, the Christian faith, the Hebrew faith, uh, they seem to have a different view from that. The conduct is frowned upon. This is a typical example. I agree. I agree with one, at one particular level from a moral point of view, and I think that's that's the distinction we need to make. From a moral point of view, the conduct is frowned at, but I would argue from the Islamic point of view, if you look at, for example, discrimination against them should be particularly frowned. So it's a moral conduct that is frowned, and this is the point that I was making, is that de facto, the de facto position in many parts of the world is that the law of the land is indeed supreme. And I think in this particular country, in many countries of the world, so individuals are in fact by their nature, whether they're religious, 
religious or not bound by the law. But that does not necessarily mean that the law is moral or indeed right, and what's moral may not be right, and what may be legal may not necessarily be right. I don't even want us to dabble into those those lands there, yes, sir. And if I could just finish the point, a classic example would be apartheid, which was the supreme law of the land that was not right. Nazi Germany, law of the land, extermination of Jews, that was the supreme law of the land that was not right. And you have the situation today in Muslim countries where the law of the land and the religion is in fact interchangeable and one and the same, albeit at a very superficial Again, level. Yusuf, let so, me remind so you again, we're trying to restrict our conversation to, to South Africa. I don't want us to, 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 go, to venture outside the borders of the Republic. Okay, let, let, and let, I want us to focus on the examples we have given right now. The de facto position in the South African context, there is no debate on this, is that if you want to basically look at it from a black and white perspective, the law of the land is indeed supreme. Having said that, Muslims in general, as a community in South Africa, are in fact indeed allowed to obviously obey these civil laws and can operate within the paradigm that is laid down and set down by various legislation. And there's scriptural basis for this. In Surah 4 verse 59 of the Quran, there is a passage which says, obey God and obey his apostle and obey those invested in authority amongst you. So from that perspective, if you are a minority, and certainly in any other part of the world, but in certain context, there's nothing problematic about certainly living within the paradigm that is laid down, um, certainly within our particular context. Permit However, me to read that surah before we continue there, um, uh, Yusuf. You said surah 4? That's Anissa. Surah 4 verse 59 says, Obey God and obey his messenger. Obviously the messenger is no longer with us, but it goes on to say, And obey those invested in authority amongst you. And it presupposes in that passage that those invested in authority amongst you would do things which would be inherently right and would be inherently just. So from that perspective, many argue that from a legal point of view, there is no uh, conflict from the Islamic paradigm and, and, and perspective in terms of living within a land where the law may necessarily be secular, may not necessarily be in tune with... Some I want us to read it verbatim so that we can understand exactly what we're talking about, Yusuf. Hold on. Yusuf? There's no problem residing in that particular context. Yusuf, 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 hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, Yusuf, hold on. I want us to read it and then you can chew on it and clarify later on after the break. I want to read it verbatim. This is Anissa, Surah 4, and we're reading 59. It reads, All you who believe, obey Allah. Obey and obey the apostle and those charged with authority among you. If you differ in anything among yourselves, refer it to Allah and his apostle. If you do believe in Allah and the last day, that is best and most suitable for final determination. I'm going to give you an opportunity to mull over why you've quoted that text, which in my humble opinion may not actually be referring to what we're talking about, but I'll give you an opportunity to clarify your your interpretation of that scripture shortly after the break. Stand by. All right, let's bring in uh, the uh, Apostle Pearl Coupe, and I do apologize once again for misquoting uh, your yeah, authority okay. there. All right, let's, let's get to your perspective. Um, you're representing the Christian perspective. Would I be correct, Apostle? I represent, uh, yes, disciples of Christ. I understand. I'm a believer in Christ and a follower of Christ. All right. So from, from, from the perspective of those who follow Christ, and I like that reference there, uh, which one is supreme, the law of the land or the law of your Christ or uh, the, the tenets in your scriptures? Well, I'd like to answer it this way, since you're talking about the South African perspective. Yes. Um, I, I would like to answer it in this way. From my perspective, and I don't look at it from, from the point of view of religion, I would talk about 
God for me, God, okay. because religion, you're also talking about systems, and, you know, that's another discussion, another topic for another day. But what the way I see it, Naye, is that what South Africa has done, we have placed law as being supreme. Whether that's the way it should be is another question. I mean, for me, God must always be supreme. His laws, the Word of God must be supreme. Unfortunately, I think that South Africa is being regulated by laws which have departed from God's ways and, and, and the way that God has actually instructed us to live. Um, so in terms of South Africa, and that's why many of us have started movements. There are movements out there which are calling for uh, South Africa to come back to God because clearly we've departed. And one of the ways in which we've departed is by making laws that are clearly not aligned to um, the, the, the aligned to God's ways, God's rule. I mean, if I were to give you an example, for instance, some of the laws pertaining to children yes. for me are abomination. I mean, you have a Children's Act which allows children from the age of 12 to be on the pill, to have an abortion without uh, consent from the parent treatment without parental consent. Correct. Yes. And, you know, and that is the legal perspective. I am an attorney, mm. and of course, if you yes, I am an attorney. If if you if you disobey the law, you know, you go to prison. So, but that's what I mean by saying that South Africa, we've made the law supreme, but it is not supreme, and it was never the plan of God um, for for us to be regulated by laws which do not follow His perspective, His values, um, His His. So definitely, for me, there's a concern that we have laws that are symptomatic of a degenerate generation, and we've just moved away completely from ethics, from good values, etc. It's time. For me, this represents a time for, and a call for us to come back to God, to come back to that which reflects morality. When I went to law school many years ago, uh, you know, more than 30 years ago, uh, we were taught at the time that law is supposed to reflect the mores or the morals of a particular society. And it's actually quite concerning. If we are now trying to lower all the laws, right now there's a push for comprehensive sexuality education bill to be passed now. And that bill is proposing that children at the age of nine should be able to have consensual sex it's proposing that children from the age of nine be distributed with condoms at school and that children from the age of five should have an option to be transgender. Um, so we're now moving towards uh, laws that allow our children to be sexualized. And if a child cannot drink alcohol at the age of 18, how can they have an abortion at the age of, of 12? So it's very concerning to me. Uh, like I said, in practical terms, what is happening is as people, as defective people and human beings, and as a government, um, we have made the law supreme, but that's not what the, the scenario is supposed to be. In the Old Testament, you had, and, and throughout, you had a scenario, prophets were the ones who advised the king. That's always been God's plan, is that the prophets are the ones to advise the king, but now we, we, we have a scenario where it's different and the kings are advising the prophets. And whenever you have a, uh, that kind of defective, perverted change, you will have a scenario like we have in South Africa because the prophets of the land, the people who are supposed to be exercising dominion, the people who are supposed to be uh, false, being salty, being the last, uh, 
um, giving direction. The word church, original meaning of the word church, actually, ecclesia in Greek, means a generation and a group of separated people, people who've been set apart, consecrated, to be God's national assembly on earth. So for us to be God's national assembly on earth, we're supposed to be aligned with his kingdom perspective and his thoughts. So, so uh, in, in a nutshell there, uh, Apostle, so you're saying we should abide by the word of God and not the word of mankind. Absolutely. The word of God, it says, I mean, from my perspective, I can only be, my benchmark and my standard will always be the word of God. And one of the things the scripture says about the word of God is it is a lamp unto our feet. In other words, it gives us direction. It shows us the way to go. If you study the Bible, it gives laws pertaining to employees, how they should be treated in Deuteronomy. It gives laws in terms of environmental care of the land. It gives laws pertaining to family and and how to manage the family. It gives laws in terms of government. The three arms of, of government are in Isaiah 33, 22. So it gives laws pertaining to all areas. It gives laws pertaining to your health the foods that you must eat. So definitely, yes, that is a manual for how we are supposed to live. And if we live by that word, then we wouldn't have scenarios where now nine-year-olds are going to be sexualized and people are claiming that this okay. will stop pregnancies. I'm, I mean, I'm confirming that point there, Apostle, because in your text, I remember quite frankly, um, the last time you and I spoke, um, there was a text that you promised that you'd come and clarify for us. This is found in the book of Hebrews 13. Hebrews 13 reads, and I'm going to read only verse 17. You could read all of it if you want, but the main interesting text for me is uh, verse 17. Hebrews 13, 17, and I'm reading it from an, uh, King, James, King James Version. It reads, Obey them that have the rule over you, and submit mm-hmm. yourselves, for they watch for your souls as they must give account that they may do it with joy and not with grief for that is unprofitable for you Uh, Mm -hmm. does that not mean that you need to abide by the laws that these men and women who have authority over you give you absolutely and i agree with the point that actually the previous speaker although he's coming from a different context but he talked about the presupposition if i heard him rightly he said that's presupposing that a certain um, cater or caliber of people are in rule. Clearly, I don't believe that God would expect you to obey if an authority comes to you and tells you to go and murder somebody. You know? Yeah. Uh, there is also a law. God says, do not murder, do not kill. So, you know, the, I think we have to read things in context. Okay. That the Bible clearly sets out and demarcates things that we must not do, and those are commands. Those are instructions. But here so it, it, to, it makes no exceptions there. You have to read that scripture within the context of what the Bible also tells you not to do clearly. So if people in authority are telling you to contravene a that God has told you not to do, you can't do that. And that's why even the, 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 the disciples, many of them landed in, in jail. They were prepared to be martyrs okay. and land in jail. All right. Because Let- they understood that they could not... Um, you know, contravene the kingdom principles. All right, I want to take a break. The laws of man. When we come back, we're going to bring in His Highness Chief Moranongonyan from the Congress of Traditional Leaders of South Africa, uh, provincial chairperson. They'll be giving us the African perspective of what should be supreme: the law of the land or the law of the deities.
Let's bring in His Highness the King of Mabala, uh, Chief Mwedonongonyane, Congress of Traditional Leaders of South Africa Provincial Chairperson in the Eastern Cape. Ah, Zanemvula. Good evening, Your Highness. Uh, uh, good afternoon, my brother. Thank you so much for the opportunity. And uh, I greet all your listeners uh, throughout the country. Y- my y- pleasure being with you this afternoon, y- late y- afternoon. Your Highness, we, we understand that your faith, uh, the African faith, does not have a document we can use to refer to. Uh, so we'll rely on folklore and what you'll have to tell us. But uh, if you were given the, the opportunity now to choose uh, to obey the law of your faith or the law of the land, which one would you abide by? It's it's a yeah. good thing for me because all of my guests are legally trained. Apostle Per Coupe is, is, is legally trained. You're legally trained. Yusuf is legally trained. So I'm speaking to people who have an, a, an acute understanding of the law and what is yeah. required, especially nah, when you walk into nah, court. Let me, warn, let me warn you. Yeah. I, I hope uh, we're not going to confuse you. You know, when there are many lawyers in the room, <laughs> you may find uh, uh, different point of view as the number of the lawyers in your room. Indeed. I expect that. I expect that. The fact that you go and oppose each other in court means just that. Yes. Uh, thank you so much. No, you know, uh, when I was pondering over this question, I was saying to myself, you're not asking us which is, uh, um, uh, how can I, older, is it a chicken or an or egg? Or the egg, yes. <laughs> <laughs> but um, let me tell you, uh, what you mean, uh, it depends, uh, where, our understanding of what we mean as law of the land in South African context. Uh, I must say, it is really confusing. You find the others saying it is a Roman Dutch legal system, which is foreign. But to us as African, it is African legal system that is law of the land. But... Uh, uh, that is an argument uh, that, 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 that we may argue. But come to the law as determined by whatever faith uh, one has. And um, again, uh, uh, yeah, in South Africa, there are various uh, um, uh, Christianity, which is foreign and inherited, and is very, very influential. Uh, be it Christian, be it Muslim, uh, whatever. And uh, there is also African religion uh, that uh, most of Africans believe in. And uh, so when you ask a question uh, to an ordinary South, uh, South African, what is the supreme between these two? Uh, it's really a very, very difficult uh, uh, question to answer. But um, all we can say is that the law of the land, and uh, that is the African legal system as far as we are concerned, not the foreign governmental legal system, was also a problem. But uh, as Africans, we are believers as well. So uh, clearly... Um, uh, uh, the moral values of the Nye family, Lupondwana family, you see, there are norms and values in that family. But uh, you may find that in that community where the Lupondwanas are there, there is also various family norms and values, but what binds them is positive morality within that, which begets a custom then that is law as far as we are concerned, who can say then it is really the law of the land in that context. 
and uh, uh, it is supreme. Yes, all those people in the Lupondwana community, if I can give you uh, that title for a moment to, to make my case, is that uh, they believe to a supreme being. And because uh, uh, the others would say God, the others would say the ancestors, uh, you name them. And uh, so uh, I, I hope I'm not confusing the lawyers in the room and even uh, the judge, which is yourself and all I'm going to ask one last question before I open the lines. Let me open right now because I would like everyone to join in the conversation if they want to do this. So right now, 0891-104-207-0891-104-207. If you are joining the conversation, you can do that right now. The question we're trying to get answered is uh, religion and the law of the land, which is supreme for you as an individual. If if all the examples that were given by the Apostle Paracupe of children now given legal right to to abort and to engage in all these conducts such as taking antiretrovirals without the consent or knowledge of the parent at the age of 12. Surely this is something that is against some faiths. And I gave an example which was explosive at some point in our country, the issue of homosexuality. And take note, I'm not focusing tonight on homosexuals, the people. I'm focusing on the conduct of homosexuality. So I don't want us to get detracted there or distracted rather. So uh, these examples are examples that that tend to be explosive for some reason or the other. When you listen to people of faith, they seem to be diametrically opposed to these liberties that have been offered to people. And yet. Some of those people say, uh, like um, uh, Yusuf, uh, the, the laws of the land and of faith are complementary. I'd like to hear your response to what the apostle was saying there, Yusuf, that they're not complementary. Quite frankly, they are contradictory. You are saying they're complementary. Uh, so you know, me, just come in on that point. Just yes, you know, Yusuf. I, I just want to clarify my point and my position on that point. I'm saying they c- can be complementary, but they, they're not, ne- in terms of morality, they're not necessarily complementary. The, the point I was basically making is that these two systems need not necessarily be mutually exclusive. But from the perspective of morality, certainly the law of the land is inherently defective. And I would argue, and I believe most of my guests, and I agree with the previous speaker, that we would argue basically that religion would be inherently morally superior to the law of the land, morally superior even to the constitution which is fundamentally flawed um, on a number of levels and so from that perspective um, we would basically argue that whilst um, for at least from my perspective that Islam regards justice as a foundation on which everything in life should be based secular South African law looks at society subjectively and the nature of the situation and subjective human estimation which is inherently flawed and fundamentally flawed on a number of levels take the concept of usury for example Naya um, you have a situation whereby you've got um, uh, a commercial transaction for the exchange of commodities or the lending of products or negotiable instruments of the same value. You're basically penalized for paying more, more than the actual value of what is contained. Um, and so from the, uh, I, am I there? Am I still on? Yeah, we're listening. Go ahead. Yeah, sure. So, so the point basically now is that I'm saying that they can be complementary, but they need not. And as your previous guest, um, which I endorse entirely, the sexualization of society, the fact that, for example, even the constitution of this country is flawed on so many levels. As a consequence, for example, of our war against the legacy of apartheid, what basically happened is that our constitution created an excessively powerful executive government which was made legally 
permanent. Um, and with that legacy of apartheid, government by extension has extraordinary powers to obviously deal with various aspects of society. And whilst judges may not realize this, this has basically enabled the kind of corruption and criminality that we see in society today. Religion would have put a stop to that because we would argue at the fundamental premise um, that um, our values are effectively based on, uh, uh, as opposed to secular values, okay. there is a separation between morals, uh, there's a separation between ethics. Um, for example, if you look at the way um, the, the secular law has basically influenced the environment, the circumstances, that's right. that's uh, it's been influenced um, by the society itself. And so from that perspective, the question should be, is law, is the law of the land morally superior or inferior to religion? I think that's the main question. Actually, we, 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 religion, we deliberately no did from not. From my perspective, I would argue conclusively that the Quran, at least, and I would, my guess would say from the Bible, from my perspective, the Quran is morally superior to the legislation of the land, to the constitution of the land, which is fundamentally flawed on a number of levels. Um, we, we deliberately did not um, make it as general as that. We were very specific to focus on the, la- the law as it is. The basic tenets, when you read the letter of the law, whether you read from the Quran, whether you read from uh, the scriptures, the Holy Scriptures, whether it's the Torah or the Bible, uh, you're still re- reading the letter. I'm talking about the reading of the letter of the document. And I don't want us to uh, be circuitous about talking about the moral part or whatever part. We're talking about the letter of it. If you remember quite well, we're trying to establish when people of faith uh, claim to be people of faith and unwaveringly so. And I respect that you're articulating that, all three of you, with all respect. But uh, it was a very curious point for me to learn that um, as far as your faiths are concerned, or at least the Hebraic the, the faith, uh, Abrahamic faiths, uh, they, they all have this one tenet that says, you shall bow down to no other but one God. And yet you find yourselves having to bow before a man every time you come into a court. Actually, even if he's not even looking, as you enter through the door, as you're wearing your robe, you have to bow. How does that work? And yet you're men and women of faith. What does it begin with you, uh, Apostle? About doing what? About bowing? Yes, yes, Apostle. I'm not sure what you mean. Your 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 scripture uh, the, the courtesy, the courtesy that you. But well, I'm in court daily, and yes. basically, when the magistrate or the presiding officer walks in, you basically courtesy and um, no, I, uh, give I mean, basically I, I, some I, sort of bow. I understand, I understand what he's saying. I mean, you know, for me, there are certain protocols. Uh, I don't see that as bowing, and, and I think you you've got a very limited definition. If that's what you call bowing, it's a very limited definition of of what I think the scripture means. Um, my understanding of the word bowing is actually meaning that you don't, it's not a physical manifestation, but it's talking more around the general aspect of abiding by principles, being ruled by principles and, and, and protocols around that. So I think around semantics we use in court or whatever little protocols, I wouldn't really define that as bowing within the context that the Bible meant. Okay. Yusuf, would you like to respond? Yeah, look, I think basically when you stand up in court, uh, you're not basically subjecting yourself to um, the submission. I mean, you could argue basically in a symbolic sense you were standing up to the bench 
um, and, and respecting the bench itself. But uh, I don't think you're basically giving some sort of voluntary subordination entirely whereby you give up all your rights um, and rules. You just simply, it's a simply a mark of respect. So I don't see a contradiction in terms of standing up. Um, one would also argue that when the presiding officer uh, enters a court, they also engage in a curtsy towards you. So it's a kind of a mutually reciprocative enterprise that is there, um, unlike, for example, in the case of a monarchical dictatorship where you would submit entirely um, to, for example, the king or whatever that's in authority. So from that perspective, I don't think you're buying to any man as yeah. such, um, but basically it's a, a, a mark of respect to the to the bench, and consequently they have to do the same to you. So it's a mutually it's mutually equal, and so you can challenge them, you can challenge the understanding of the law, um, but at the end of the day, you're still bound by the legal system in terms of which you operate, and, and, and that's why I made the point initially. I was just simply explaining the de facto position, the law of the land is supreme, but if you're talking about the moral superiority mm. of religion over the law of the land, well, that's basically a different debate, and I think all of us, all of your panelists, the, the lady, uh, the articulate lady, the gentleman from the African tradition religion, and myself would make the point of argument that morally, and in terms of superiority, because these uh, systems come or emanate from God, and based on the interpretative mechanism that we use in terms of how we understand our faith, we would basically argue that they are indeed morally superior to the laws of man. All right. I want to bring some calls The laws of man you. evolve, the laws of man change, uh, they are dependent upon, for example, the situation, the cycles, uh, socio-economic circumstance of that particular day, they are inherently flexible, whereas the divine parameters are essentially the same. Uh, there's a consistency in terms of our, our right. ethical... A common ethical value system. Let me bring in um, some calls for you. They, they, uh, and, and so it's a, it's a separation between the morals that the legal systems have basically entrenched that has basically given rise to the kind of materialistic cultures that we've seen. That, that's clear. You, you've made that point already, Yusuf. Which has led to Yusuf? more bloodshed in the world than Yusuf? even the wars, for example, of religion. Capitalism, for example, which the Saudi government and our legal system embraces, regards morals connected to the individual to the extent where there's an un Yusuf? freedom and absolute permissiveness in society. All right, I want us to bring in some calls. Um, um, uh, 0891 104207. We're also taking your text messages on 40938. 40938. The WhatsApp number is 0614 104107. Again, 0614 104107. Let's go to Bashir. Bashir is in Malaysia. Good evening, Bashir. In principle, I agree with all your guests um, and with you as well. However, I think, you know, uh, in terms of your question, very narrowly uh, put, yes. uh, the Quran seems to distinguish between sort of private law and public law. If you look at chapter 10, verse 99, you know, the, uh, God tells us in the Quran that, look, if I wanted everybody to worship me, I could have done that forcefully by giving them no free will. But I give people free will. So, you know, as long as there is uh, freedom of religion, uh, movement, action, etc., uh, I, I, you know, uh, the Quran appears to be happy with that. that. That's the first thing. Then we come to democracy. Um, the Quran says in chapter 3, verse 159, that, you know, uh, God is telling the prophet that, look, you, uh, you know, that you have to, and, and bear in mind that God is, uh, Almighty is talking to the prophet, who is sort of the head of state as well as a prophet, and he says, look, you've got to consult with the people. And, you know, once you have taken the decision, uh, if the majority agree, even if it's a wrong decision, it will still be blessed because you have consulted the people. So, you know, uh, that leads me to believe that 
between the two, public law and private law or, or religious law, religious law is infinitely superior. Uh, and as long as you have uh, the freedom to follow your conscience, it is good enough. At the same time, the Quran does not dissuade you from, from following the governmental law. Uh, public law, you have to follow that as well. As long, you know, so the, the Quran sort of strikes a balance between sort of public law and uh, private law. As long as you are allowed to follow your conscience, okay. uh, you know, it's, it's fine. All right. Great. Thank you very Thanks. much, Bashir. Appreciate your calls. Go to Simon in Johannesburg. Simon, good evening. Hi, good evening. How are you? Well, thank you, sir. Go ahead. What's on your mind? Oh, uh, you know what? Um, well, let's just face the fact here. Let's forget about Let's face the fact. The fact is simple. The law of the land, land is superior than every other law. Because it's simple, you commit something, government should take you over, try you and put you in jail. But in religions, you commit crime, God is not coming down to come and judge anybody. And these things are happening. So why can't we face the fact? From people have been worshipping from ages to ages, and then just following what is written by our people before us. But those things are not coming into any fact okay. that, can, that can turn things around. You understand me? So I, hear you. I believe in the fact. The law of the land is superior. You, the, the government is in control. So that is simple. Got that it. is why uh, um, they, they are ruling, they are controlling every, every person. So the religion can be something that can carry your conscience around, but you cannot bring it out to say you cannot follow the law of the land. Once you don't, do, once you don't follow the law of the land, the government will just take you over or you commit any, anything against the law. Being okay. Criminal. All right. Thank you very much, Simon. Appreciate your call, Simon and Johannesburg, Blue Dot, Cape Town. Hold on, hold on, hold on. I want to go to Colin in Cape Town. Good evening, Colin. Hello? Yes, Colin, go ahead. Uh, good evening, Naya. <laughs> yeah. In the very, very beginning, we were getting very agitated. But anyway, <laughs> knowing Naya, you're all I get. You, you want to come to the point. Naya, talk about superiority, supreme. You know, Christians, people that believe in the Bible, they must just go to the crucifixion. The crucifixion. If they believe in the Bible, no matter what religion they are, if they believe in the uh, uh, crucifixion and the resurrection, then that's only one supreme person. It's the almighty God that raised his son from the dead. And your apostle, I agree with him earlier on, uh, with his abortions and all this. And that. I'm not going into all the that apostle stuff. is a her, uh, a she. Me? The apostle is a she. Oh, yeah. But anyway, uh, it was early on. Yeah. And um, he disagreed with abortions and homosexuals and things like that. So and so, you know, if Naya just sit and think for a second. What is the world becoming? The whole world is run by human beings, governments, which think they are superior, but no way, Naya, no way. They can make laws. There is a passage in the Bible, we got to obey the law. But there's also a little passage, woe unto those who intimidate or contaminate an innocent mind, whether it's it's you or I or a baby or anything like that. It's better for him to have a millstone around his neck and be cast in the depth of the sea. So our governments right around the world, Naya, I'm not picking on South Africa, I'm picking on the whole world. So our governments aren't supreme. 
They may think they are. Thank you, Naya. All right. Thank you very much, Colin. Appreciate your call, Colin, Cape Town. Let's go to Z and PE. Good evening, Z. Nah, yeah, you know me by my other code name in headspace. <laughs> okay, go ahead, go anyway, ahead, Z. Anyway, Naya, the two are not mutually exclusive, and it is not a binary. In my view, they are perpetually in conflict. Let me demonstrate by an anecdote. Back in 1992, I'll try to be very quick, working in Cape Town, right? Mm. We had an end-of-year party, all right? And I dedicated a Muslim woman, Badia, to represent our group, right? Mm. Now, the decision was then made in their discussion, right? And as I said, she was representing our group, which was a mix, Muslims, you know, Indian, blah, 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 blah. Anyway, the decision made by the group that Badia was part of was that the food must be strictly halal for everybody, whether you are Christian, gender, or Jew, whatever, right? I had a problem with that. Now, I was summoned to the top floor by the general manager that I am refusing to eat halal food in this end of year party, and I was insisting that in my culture in December, I normally eat pork as a Monday. I eat pork, right? So I was then told or suggested that, I mean, I was being rude to the Muslim. I said, no, 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 I'm not. Muslims can eat their halal, but then I eat halal. I eat everything. That is my culture. So I will eat pork. They can eat whatever they want to eat. So these are in perpetual conflict. None of them is superior. And as your lawyer said, I think she is, she said the laws, even if it's a law of the land, it is based on mores. Well, I have news for you, which the lawyers will agree, that the mores that we base our laws on are based on another culture's mores, yeah. Roman culture in particular. Yes. So now, if we agree that we are culturally captured as in the Zondo Commission, then the law of the land will be superior to those who are culturally captured. Okay. Now, good evening. Thank you very much, Zeke. <laughs> okay. We'll take a break and come back and have my guest respond to this, and then we'll read some text, which just will conclude it on that note. First, the break. Naye Lupondwana on SAFM. All right. It's 10 minutes now. I'm going to ask each of my guests to please restrict themselves to a minute in response to what you heard from the callers. I'm going to begin with you, you, so please restrict yourself to a minute. Go. Okay, I'll stick to a minute. Firstly, uh, laws do not necessarily have to be uh, contradictory. They can be complementary. However, I would argue that certainly from the religious perspective and indeed the Islamic perspective, the universal legislative form of eternal human rules in man himself, whether physical, psychological, intellectual, or spiritual, is totally lacking from South African civil law. And so basically from that perspective, it would be morally inferior because South African civil law revolves within the limits of the will of the maker, the social conscience, uh, the deficiency that's basically applicable in many of the individuals passing the law, notwithstanding that particular fact. That's why we have a situation that after 24 years of democracy, South Africa is in the position where it is. It's a failed state. It can end up being a banana republic because many of the lawmaking decision makers in our particular country are themselves so criminally corrupt, have, do not have the spiritual morality that is infused in our religious faiths, and that's why basically as a result of that, the secular law, in fact, that we see around us avails of no, of no such merit. So from that perspective, we would argue that the Quran is not the offspring of particular social circumstances, okay. nor it's a product of human thinking. I want to bring in um, His Highness... It comes um, from God, it would therefore be morally superior. I want to bring in uh, Chief Moyo Nongonyana. You've heard the listeners uh, and your colleagues on the panel, Your Highness, your response. 
thank you very much. Uh, well, I think uh, we must agree that in South Africa we do have a constitutional state. Therefore, the constitution of the Republic is supreme to all laws in the country. But uh, insofar as Africans are concerned, in the same way as Muslims and others, and Muslims, the, the constitution is just the one that inter- is, is interaction with other people. But uh, the members of African, uh, uh, the, 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 then uh, uh, what is supreme, therefore, is the will of our ancestors. In the, way, in the same way as Christians, the, the Bible is supreme to the constitution of the Republic, as well as Quran to the Muslims. And uh, that's all I want to say. All right. Um, Apostle, I'm giving you the opportunity to have two minutes because you had some callers who made reference to you and what you had to say. And I'd like you to respond to them as well. Well, I, the, in terms of how I listened to them, I didn't actually hear anybody disagreeing. Um, I think I'll give you one example of one who was directly opposed to your view. He was saying the law of the land is supreme. Quite frankly, God is not going to come down here and judge people. The Bible is there in the space somewhere, but the police will arrest you and you will be tried in court if you break the law of the land. There was a gentleman who said, therefore, the law of the land is supreme. You're mistaken well, to say that the law of God is supreme. I think he didn't understand what, what, I, what I was saying then. Because what I said, I said... If by religion we're talking about God, then for me, God is supreme. But what I did say, what I did say, and I was very clear about it, I said, in South Africa, what we, what we have done is to make the law supreme. The fact that we as citizens and a government have made law supreme does not mean that in reality it is supreme. It is a fact that the nation has decided to... Um, disobey God, and we've made the law, we're basically worshipping the law and making it supreme. It doesn't mean that ultimately it is supreme above God in reality. So I think that's where the listener may have misunderstood me. And I even gave examples to say, you know, where the law is going and the application of law, and if you disobey law, you will go to jail, etc. So to that listener, I will say um, the fact that South Africans have made the law supreme, does not make it supreme in reality. Law can never be supreme over the creator. The creator created those legislators. The same people who made the law were made by the creator. How can creation be supreme over the creator? Okay. I'm going to read some text messages. You'll get an opportunity to respond to the text messages. One text reads, The issue of law and faith cannot be parallel. Law of the land and the scripture will forever be different or differ. That's why my view, no matter what, uh, that's T.M. Malala. Thank you very much, T.M. Malala. Another text from K. K says, There is evidence of wars, battles, and or violence in scriptures, and, sadly, their adherents support carrying out of violence. We have our world-recognized constitution. Stick to that. That's K. Thank you, K. Another text from Oprah Dagmavit. Oprah Dagmavit writes, I am a pure African. I believe the word of God stronger and better than the law of the land. God is love. Oprah Dagmovic. Okay, thank you very much, Oprah Dagmovic. Another one says, uh, the very difficult one, but I would say the law of the land 
difficult within the law of deities is that they were introduced to us, in particular Christianity. The very same laws within the Bible are not being followed by those claimed to be believers, like the Sabbath versus Sunday. The Bible has various harmful punishments for certain laws that are broken, e.g. stoning someone to death for adultery, commandment versus law. Imagine if one had to obey such. The law of the land, Naye, must be supreme. Yes, it is not perfect, but let's address that which makes it not perfect. Law by deities, well, those that have chosen it must follow it to the letter and stop choosing certain verses. That's Bayanda in Secunda. I'm going to ask you to respond to this particular one. In the event that there are parts in your document, whether it is the Quran, whether it is the Bible, where it instructs you to do something that is against the law. And this uh, text message writer gives an example of stoning. Uh, we know this for a fact. It is prevalent in the Bible, uh, the stoning of children if they are di- disobedient and those who are committing adultery and worshipping uh, idols and so forth, uh, which is uh, execution by a mob, but not necessarily by a judicial system. Would you kindly respond to that, Apostle? Yeah, look, I mean, we have to read again everything in context. And the first five books, the Pentateuch, were the law of Moses. And Jesus very clearly came why Jesus came, one of the things, reasons why he came was not only to reconcile man back to God, but also was to put in the kingdom of God principles. One of the things he said in the Old Testament, he said, according to the law of Moses, he said an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But Jesus came now to say that in the kingdom of God, that is not how we operate. He said if somebody strikes you on the cheek on one side, you are supposed to give them the other cheek. So we have to read again scripture in context. So don't take um, uh, laws that were, 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 were brought through law of Moses and Jesus now came bringing grace, grace and factoring in grace um, in the New Testament under a new covenant, which was a better covenant, um, and now setting out a new scenario. So let's read the Bible in context. Clearly Jesus, who was who represents compassion, John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. The same Jesus who reflected love is not going to be the same Jesus who says stone people um, for committing adultery. In fact, he who of you, when people were wanting to stone the woman who committed adultery, was it not the same Jesus who said, which of you is without sin? Which of you is, is without sin? But at no point did he abolish the stoning of the woman. He simply said, you cannot stone her if you are without sin. So at that point, he was not abolishing the stoning of uh, an adulteress. Well, if you read the whole Bible, New Testament, it talks about love. It talks about pray for your enemies, love your enemies, etc. I don't know if that doesn't set the scenario for love versus killing, etc. You know, and, and, and it's... The so according to you, clear. the killing the uh, has been abolished in your understanding, Apostle. Is that what you're saying? That the killing of uh, adulteresses or adulterers, the killing of uh, people, children who are disrespectful to their parents, the killing of uh, people who worship idols, that has been abolished. Christ has abolished all of, the, all of those disciplinary issues. I understand that the gospel of grace and mercy, which is the gospel that Jesus brought to establish the kingdom of God and to bring perspective in terms of what the kingdom of God represents. I understand all the principles that Jesus brought in to overrule principles that were brought in by the law of Moses. That's what I understand.
All right, we're going to leave it right there on that very note. To all my guests, Yusuf Ismail, attorney and a consultant for the Islamic Pro- Propagation Center International, IPCI, and host of the TV program, I Beg to Differ on Islam TV. Looking forward to watching that. Thank you very much, Yusuf. Also, Apostle Pearl Cooper, attorney, activist, international consultant, author, and president of Global Forum for Entrepreneurs. Thank you very much to you, Apostle, as well as Chief Mwelonongonyan, who is the Congress of Traditional Leaders of South Africa, chairperson in the province of the Eastern Cape. Thank you very much to you, Your Highness. We all appreciate your coming through and your attendance. Your insights are ever so valuable. For me, Nayalu Pondwana and the team, have a wonderful evening and Godspeed. Up next, the news.